excited to be up here this morning to share about uh, some exciting stuff that the youth got to do this summer. Um, you're going to hear a lot of cool uh, student testimonies this morning. Uh, for those of you who may not know me, my name is Nick Madsen. I am the director of youth here at Faith Covenant Church. Uh, your warm faces and and uh, just glad that you're here. I don't know what I'm going with that. But anyways, a uh, couple things before I get my message here is uh, I just I got a couple thank yous. One to all of you. Uh, these trips would not have happened without your help. I don't know if you know this, but we raised $20,000 in six weeks. And that was on you. So yes, give yourself a round of applause. On behalf of our youth and myself, we thank you with all our hearts for your awesome financial support and prayer support. I also have to thank my leaders. Uh, I couldn't have done it without them. So Dave, Sarah, Tabby, Andrew, you guys were amazing. Thank you for taking the time out of your schedule to invest in youth and go change the world for Jesus. And finally, I have to give my wife and my kids a huge thank you and ask that you give her a round of applause because she let me leave for three weeks. And that's really not an easy thing for us. Believe it or not, we actually like each other. So we're, we're celebrating two years of marriage tomorrow. Love you, babe. Um, yeah, so, and I, I got to tell you, there was times where I'm like, babe, I just don't want to go. And she's honey, it's going to be good. You got to do this. You're doing it for Jesus. She's just amazing. So again, please, uh, if you see her, thank her for allowing me to go for three weeks. Uh, so, missions. Why do we go? Well, one, Jesus says so. But two, the gospel, the message of Jesus Christ is so good. It's so good not to share. It's like, you know, you, you eat this huge meal and you're so full and then they bring out dessert and you, and you see it and you're like, oh, it looks so sweet and delicious. You just got to do it. It's the same thing. Jesus' message, the love of Jesus is so sweet and so good, you just got to share it. You got to let the world know how good our Jesus is. Uh, Mark, Jesus says in Mark 16, uh, verse uh, 15, He said to them, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So we know that we, we, we need to do this, but what happens when we actually align our hearts with Jesus? What can we learn through serving Him by sharing His love to the world? Let's pray and we'll keep going. Heavenly Father, Lord God, we thank you so much for your awesome love. We thank you so much for the hope that we have in your son Jesus and that he came to earth to share that love with us and that ultimately, Lord, that you want to use us to help fix this broken world and, and, uh, and show the world the truth of your love. Lord, I ask that you be with me and speak through me this morning. Just get me out of your way and let this message be from you. Please open up all of our hearts and minds to your amazing word. We love you and we pray this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I'm with Jen. Summer's my season. I love everything about summer. I love sitting out in the garage working on stuff, tinkering. I love motorcycles. I know you guys know that. Um, I also love lemonade. I love lemonade stands. I don't know if maybe you guys have seen these at your local Applebee's lately, but I've seen them at, at multiple lately. And this is Alex's Little Lemonade Stand. Maybe you've heard the story about these. Maybe you haven't. I would love to share the story of this awesome little girl. So when Alex Scott was born, 
just before her first birthday, she was diagnosed with a rare cancer, neuroblastoma. And unfortunately, the, those rare cancers spread throughout her body even after they removed the tumor. Doctors said that she would not live long. Parents didn't have much hope, and, and Alex endured a lot of pain. However, Alex proved the, the doctors wrong and continued to fight every day. And they found a doctor that was specializing in, in rare cancers and, and rare treatments, and something miraculous happened, and Alex began feeling good. In fact, she was feeling so good that her, one of her treatments, she said to her mom, Mom, when I get out of the hospital, can I do something? And mom's like, yeah, what do you want to do? And she says, I want to have a lemonade stand. And her mom's like, what? Yeah, we could have a lemonade stand. We'll do that when you get out of the hospital. And she's like, great, mom. Let's, we're going to do that. And she, she would. She would beg her mom every day. Can I have, when can I have my lemonade stand? When can I have my lemonade stand? And her mom said, Alex, honey, what is it that you want? I'll just buy it for you. And she said, no, mom, I want all the money to go towards cancer research. And her mom thought, what a sweet and cute idea. In, two, uh, in 2000, Alex was four years old. She had her first sessions of lemonade stands. At first it began once a month, then it was every week, and then it was every day. And that first set of lemonade stands that she was doing, she raised over $2,000 for pediatric cancer research. Unfortunately, her best friend, who was also going through uh, fighting cancer, uh, lost her battle, and Alex was devastated. But she said, Mom, I'm going to have my lemonade stand. I want to have my lemonade stand in honor of Teresa. And she would. She would have, it didn't matter how cold it was, how hot it was, rain or shine, she would be outside every single day at her lemonade stand. Word got out. Local news found out what she was trying to do, and cars were lying up on both sides of the street, and that session of lemonade stands raised over $12,000. This movement spread nationwide, and Alex was asked asked to talk, uh, be interviewed on Oprah, Oprah Winfrey show. And first, Oprah had to ask, so why are you doing this? And she says, because it's helping people. Second, Oprah asked, well, what's your, do you mind sharing your secret ingredient to your lemonade? She said, sure. It's country time instant mix. <laughs> and then Oprah asked her, so what's your goal to, what is your next goal for these lemonade stands. And she said, Oprah, we're going to raise $1 million. And her parents had not known that this was Alex's plan. So when she got off the show, she was like, Alex, $1 million? How are we going to do this? And she said, well, Mom, I think if, we, if everybody had a lemonade stand and everybody helped out and they donated the proceeds to cancer research, we could easily raise $1 million. In 2004... Because of this idea and Alex's desire to help someone, help others, they raised $1 million for pediatric cancer research. Unfortunately, it was the same year that Alex lost her battle to cancer and died. That was in 2004. Um, but today, because of this little girl's idea, Alex's Lemonade Stand Foundation has raised over $150 million dollars. This, I don't know about you, I smell a Christian. I can't confirm that, but I smell a Christian. There's another story of a little boy 
that we can learn about, that we can learn a valuable lesson from. And it's in John 6. If you want to grab your Bibles and follow along with me, we're going to read John 6, 1 through 15. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, what would, It would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and said, Here's a boy with, small, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place. And they sat down, and about 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had, when they had had all, they had all had enough to eat. He said to his disciples, "Gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted." So they gathered them and filled twelve baskets with the pieces of five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, "Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world." Jesus, knowing that they were intended to make intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountainside by himself. Now, again, the reason why I share these two stories with you is, first, I have a confession. When I first, like, began reading this story, like, in my early walk with Christ, I always pictured this, like, you know, okay, there's 5,000 people. Jesus is like, hey, we're going to feed them. And the disciples are like, that was my money or not. That's 5,000 dudes alone, man. Not even counting the women and children. And they're like, hey, man, take... Jesus, here's this kid. He's got lunch. He's got flaming hot Cheetos. Got fruit snacks and a pudding pop. Take his stuff. But that, really, that's not what's happening. Yes, the disciples were concerned about using their resources and making excuses, but Jesus already knew what he was going to do because he knew the willing heart of this young man who said, here's my lunch. It's not much, but use it. And that's exactly what our kids did in a, uh, this summer. And I'm really excited for you to hear their stories about how they went and served Jesus. And I'm hoping that we can, we can learn a lot from them and that we can get past our excuses. Because I think we can tend to do that as well. We can make excuses of our time or, like me, I don't want to go. I don't want to leave my family or our resources. Uh, but these kids used the little that they had and Jesus used it in an amazing way. But the first thing that uh, I believe when we line our hearts up with Jesus is we learn sacrificial love. In John chapter 15, 12 verse, uh, verses 12 and 13, Jesus says to his disciples, My command is this, Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And i got to tell you, our, our, our ten teenagers that we took to teen serve this summer did exactly this. Now, I know Jesus is talking about giving up his life as a ransom and, and, and the ultimate sacrifice for sin. But these kids took time out of, their, out of their schedule to go and to serve others in amazing ways. 
Uh, we had the news, the local news down in Pine Islands, Minnesota, uh, interview, like go out four times and, and broadcast what we were doing. It was really cool. They said God. They almost said Jesus, which is like crazy for the news to, you know, to go even that far. But one of the things that they kept on saying was these kids are not only, these teenagers are not only just working on house projects, but they're paying to do so. It's amazing. What Teen Serve Missions is, is it's fixing up houses for people who are either unable to or can't afford to. Like my resident, she got into an accident at work and now is now on disability. She couldn't afford to do simple house repairs like paint her house and a little bit of drywall work. Uh, I, I got to share with you, it, 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 when you get to TeenServe and they start debriefing about what, what's going to be happening, you kind of like think of two old TV shows crossing over, like Tim Taylor from Home Improvement meets Mission Impossible. <laughs> like, like we open up this book and, and as it, when we meet our crews and we're looking at the, what our job is going to be and it's like, okay, this house is leaning and it's two stories and I'm going to paint it. Drywall? Oh yeah, we could do this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh, 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 oh we could do this. <laughs> but let me share with you what these kids did in one short week in Pine Island. We had 158 youth total, 17 different youth groups from 11 different states, 35 total projects, 33 of them were painting, five construction projects such as building a wheelchair ramp, repairing some steps or a deck, and eight minor construction projects such as drywall. And that's impressive. And these, these kids would wake up to a horrible wake-up call, and they would go out every day in, in heat, and they would work their tails off for the love of Jesus. And they, you should really give them a round of applause for all their hard work. But that wasn't even what the mission was about. Uh-huh. Not only did these kids do this cool stuff, 17 teenagers gave their life to Jesus for the first time. And that's enough of me. I would love to invite up Sydney Scott and uh, Sydney Shepherd and Dave Remfer, and I would love for, for you to hear from them. Give them a round of applause. Hey, guys. Hey. How's it going? Good. Good. So, Sydney, I know I embarrassed you in first service. Can I embarrass you again? Go ahead. You're such yeah. a good sport. So, I got to say that Sydney was the most fun to watch that, that week. Um, when we first got there, basically what would happen is that we would fill up at night. We would worship with Phil Joel and then hear a great message. And then every day we would go and we would pour out into our, our residents. And uh, when we first got there, you know, Phil Joel gets up there and he invites everybody to come down to the stage and worship. And all these kids just bum-rush the stage, right? Well, Sydney was kind of like hanging back with me, Sarah, and Dave, like, I'm just not quite sure about that. That's, that's understandable. You're kind of like just, just checking things out. Towards the middle of the week, you could see her, you know, her shoulders starting to move with the songs. And then, you know, her face, is, she's kind of hiding her face a little bit because, you know... She's just, she's just ch- still checking it out, but Jesus is doing something. And by Friday, she rushed the stage with all the kids, and she's worshiping with her hands up in the air. And I'm sitting next to Dave, and I go, oh, 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 oh. And he's like, Nick, you're ruining it. <laughs> 
it was awesome. You were so fun to watch. But Sydney, you didn't want to go to Teen Serve at first. Why not? Yeah, so um, that week I previously already made plans, and, you know, I was committed to that. And my parents, they signed me up. They said, you know, Sydney, this is would be a great opportunity for you. And I was kind of like, well, okay, I mean, I, I guess I'll go. But I was, you know, I was still, I... I was still kind of bummed out because, you know, I already, like I said, I made plans and, you know, I just, you know, sure. came and, you know, yeah. Sure. So how did serving your resident, how did Jesus change your heart through serving your resident? Yeah, so uh, my resident was Jan and she's about 70 and she, um, she dislocated her ankle while, and she got into an accident because she was actually trying to paint her house. And what we did, we painted her shed, her house, and a garage. So it was a lot, but um, the five of us, we got it done, and um, we worked really well. And um, during the day when we had our lunch, we would invite our resident, Jan, to our group devos right after we had lunch, and it was cool to see throughout the week. At first, she was very quiet. She just, you know, sat there, listened to us. And throughout the week, she um, would just gradually, you know, like put her commentary on the subjects or what we were talking about that day. And um, on Friday, we were having, like, full-on conversations, and sometimes we would just stray away from the message, and we would just kind of have small talk and kind of related to what we were talking about and um, just... Throughout the week, uh, my relationship with Jan grew more, and we just, she would bring us out some cookies and um, some food for us, and so she made us some rubber floats, and so yeah, I, I really had a good time there. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you, Sydney. Uh, Dave. Yes. You serve Jesus in many different areas. We just saw you up here leading us and helping lead us in worship. Uh, you were a part of jail ministry. How did you see... God reveal himself by working alongside a teenager this summer? Um, well, like I mentioned, um, my parents did not sign me up for Teen Serve. <laughs> <laughs> Nick kind of signed me up for Teen Serve. And I saw God working really from the moment that I signed up. Um, got a lot of support from my wife, Jan. Um, got some awesome text messages throughout the week that just uh, filled me full of God's Spirit, the Holy Spirit, and gave me the patience to keep going, because I'll tell you, 158 teenagers, it's a lot quieter in the jail. I'll tell you that right um, <clears throat> But then just seeing how the teenagers worked with the residents, how they just really brought uh, a lot of love and life to these people. Um, one of the residents that I was working with, the second day, the first day we invited her to lunch and stuff, because we had lunch on the site, and the second day, she comes running out of the house from whatever she was doing. And she's like, you guys prayed yet? It's like, no, come on, join us. So she just ran up and, and sat down and prayed with us and enjoyed lunch with us and just got a great relationship going there. Um, otherwise, you know, just teaching the kids these skills that I was taught was an awesome thing to share with them. And just watching them learn and enjoy that and grow in that, but really mostly just watching the kids love up the residents. And, you know, Shar talked about a, a lot of the bad things we see, and there is. There's a lot of evil out there. There's a lot of hurt out there. But um, if you want to see some light, if you want to see the light, these beautiful young people 
That's where the light is. Spend some time with them. That's awesome. Thank you, Dave. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you, guys. You can go and have a seat. So, yeah, it was awesome. An awesome week in Pine Island, Minnesota. Uh, Another thing that I think we get when we align our hearts with Jesus is we gain compassion for the lost. Here's, uh, I'm going to share, about to share with you uh, um, something that God has placed heavy on my heart. Uh, I've even joked around, half-jokingly said that God used this to ruin my life. But uh, we're trying to go real fast about talk, sharing about the mission in Romania. But I can't think of a better scripture that fits that mission than this. And it's in Matthew 9, 35-38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. The children that we serve in Romania uh, are just exactly what the scripture is talking about. They're harassed and helpless. And this really deserves a, a, a message in its own. Um, but I'm, for the sake of time, uh, basically, if you know anything about the history in Romania, the communism that, that uh, people were enduring there, uh, put them in this, their current situation of all these abandoned children. Uh, it, institutions are overpopulated with... Uh, abandoned children because that was what the parents felt they had no other choice but to abandon their kid. Uh, What we're able to do is we come alongside this organization called For God's Children International, FGCI, and we are able to take these kids out of their institution and provide a Bible camp for them for a week. Now, at at their institutions, I want you to understand is these aren't great places. These kids are abused any way that you can think of. And, they're, and workers, the, the adults, are so oppressed by their government that they just don't even care. They don't have any, they don't care about these kids. And they're, they, they're, these kids are told every day that they're worthless and that there is no hope. But not us. We get to take them for a week and we get to share the love of Jesus with them. I got to tell you, it's not an easy mission. (laughs) It's a lot of fun, but it's like trying to herd cats. These kids don't speak English and they run around crazy, but they are just so happy to be there with us as we get to love on them. I want to show you a video in just a second here. When they are so thirsty for Jesus and for his love and for his hope, that when you know, we go into worship and into the message, that they are absolutely glued to everything that we are teaching them. And up on the screen, I want you to watch this video of how... Well, just watch them worship Jesus. such a tender moment to be there with them and hear them giving their hearts to Jesus and just clinging on to the hope that, wow, Jesus really does love me. I really, there really is hope for my life because my, my heavenly Father, I don't know what that, I'm still trying to figure out that Father experience because I don't know what that's like, but to understand like, that 
this Heavenly Father actually cares for them and has a plan for their life. I'd like to share with you a quick success story. Um, again, I've, I've, been, I've known the ministry for seven years. I've gone, this was my sixth trip to Romania this summer, bringing uh, students. And um, up on the screen is a young man that I've known since uh, 2013. His name is Marius. Marius, my first year, became my boy. Like, this is my guy. When I first met Marius, he was very stone-cold faced, like just no smile, just, this is just very, you could see the oppression in his face. You could see that he's been abused. But we just formed a bond. I, just, he, I loved him, he loved me, and he was one of the many reasons why I went back. Was to go see my, my, my friend Marius. The first year I was teaching him how to hit a baseball over the house. Uh, and, and just doing simple things like that and loving him opened up that door for me to share Jesus and share the hope that, that, uh, that Jesus has for him in his life. Uh, Marius lives in an institution that's called Speranza, which in Romanian means hope. Let me assure you, it's hell on earth. It's so overpopulated. And the kids, imagine what inmates do to each other in a prison. That's what the older kids do to the little kids in this institution. Marius, at, at a younger age, he's probably 17 here. Uh, this was just taken this summer. When he was little, would wake up in the middle of the night to be get beat up by older kids. And his stuff stolen from him. One year I went over there and he was sharing with me just before camp he was in the shower, and a, a, group of, a group of boys jumped him and violated him in the shower. And he shared this with me like it was just normal, like it was his turn. And you know, we're just in shock and telling him, no, this is not what you are for. You have a purpose, and, a, and Jesus has so much more for you than this. And we... Since he was a little boy, this organization, Jesus has done such amazing things in his life. You talk about the ultimate disciples making disciples, they make disciples, this is it. Today, Marius still lives in that institution, but he's leading Bible studies. He's praying with kids, and he's protecting the little kids from happening what happened to him. And I couldn't be more proud of him. Such a great kid. Um, we also get to Lastly, see Jesus through the least of these. One of the other things that we, we, missions that we do in Romania is we work with a mentally handicapped institution. Uh, we call them our adult children. They're, they're, they're just so much fun. Zabil is the happiest place on earth when we're there. Unfortunately, um, let, me, let me backtrack and explain Zabil. So, during communism, when, they, when the government uh, people found all these abandoned infants, they were placed in a hospital and they were lined up on hospital floors. Hundreds of kids. And they were fed a tablespoon of water to keep them hydrated. A tablespoon of water an hour to keep them hydrated, but to, re, to uh, save on diapers. They were never touched. They were never picked up. They were never loved. All they did was lay on this floor. And because of this, they developed developmental issues, special needs. And when they grew up, they were put in this institution like, in an institution like Zabil. And the best way I can describe Zabil to you is, forgive this illustration, but it would be like a stereotypical zombie movie. 
they're sedated and they just walk this yard aimlessly all day, every day. And that's if they're not getting beaten by the workers because the workers there get drunk and, and beat them and do horrible things to them. When we show up in the van and they see us, they come charging the van. They are so excited and so happy and they're, they're beating on the doors and they're so excited for us to come out because we give them the love and dignity that they deserve. We, give, we show them Jesus. We, you know, it, it, it's, it's not the most comfortable mission. They, um, we don't know the last time they had a shower. But when you touch them, it's, uh, you're giving them gold. And it just fits the scripture so perfectly uh, in Matthew 25, 37 through 40, when Jesus said, Then all the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did he see the hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? Jesus said, the king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. And that's the reminder that we tell ourselves, is that these, we're doing this for Jesus. We're loving them the way Jesus would want us to love them. Quick story, um, we're not allowed to take pictures or video in this place. It's forbidden. Um, I kind of cheated. <laughs> and I had my phone in my cargo short with the video on, and I was kind of like, you know, like, acting like I was posing, you know, like... Check this out. Because I want everybody to see what happens here and what God is doing. And um, you're about to see a video of this guy named Adrian. And he's just got a miraculous story. Adrian, 10 months ago, was immobile. The workers would put him on a couch or in a chair, and they would tie him to a chair so he wouldn't fall out. And he would just lay there aimlessly, just just lost in space. And... uh, one of the things that this organization has done is they've hired two Romanians to go into this institution every day and just work with the Zabillians and just do simple things like just love them and hug on them, uh, teach them to play catch, just some hand eye coordination. Well, they sat down next to Adrian and he's just looking off into space and they're talking with him. And one of the uh, one of the Zabil workers comes over and, and kind of poking fun and said, "Ah, leave him alone. He's hopeless." There's no hope for him. He doesn't respond. Well, the worker ignored uh, the Zabilia worker and started stroking his cheek. Just a soft stroke on the cheek and just and saying loving things to him. Adrian turned his head and responded with a smile. So they discovered, oh, okay, he is responsive. So then the next day, they taught him to sit up. And they started working on just little simple goals. Sit up. Can you stand up? Can you tie your shoes? Um, would you believe that this is Adrian eight months later? Eight months of working with him, he's playing soccer with us. You hear about the miracles in the Bible? How did Jesus perform miracles? He started out by giving people love and dignity. And that's what this organization does for these people. And we see Jesus work through the least of these. Finally, I'd like to invite up Lydia Blanchard and Josie Hannikin. Give them a round of applause, please. Hi, ladies. How you doing? Doing pretty good. Lydia, you were raised in a home where Jesus was a high priority in your life, right? Yep. You were deeply educated in the scriptures. Yep. But yet, something... Well, while we were serving Jesus in Romania... How did he reveal himself in a tangible way? 
you could really see God in a tangible way when any of the kids that we were working with just smiled and we were playing games with them. Like, we played this one game where we took the train to Bucharest, and <laughs> so we went out on the porch, and there was a bench, and you sat on the bench, and you leaned left and right, and you stood up, and then when you stood up, they put the sponge, the wet sponge under you, so you sat on it, and you got wet, and it was kind of scary, <laughs> but it was kind of funny. <laughs> and whenever the kids did that, you could just, they just laughed and smiled, and you could tell it was very, it was the first time that they've had fun almost. And another time was um, at Zaybill, we would play these group games where you just pass a soccer ball to the left or you pass a soccer ball to the right. And they're very simple, but you could see how, how much they, they enjoyed it there, that people were there looking at them, talking to them, smiling at them. Like they would run up to you, hug you for about like three seconds and then run off and do something else. It was... It was crazy. You could just see it in their smiles that they just loved that you were there and could feel God. That's awesome. Thanks, Lydia. Josie. Yes. Hi. Hi. You decided to make a big commitment in Romania. What do you think it was that God revealed to you while you were there that led you to this big decision? Okay. So when we landed in Romania, we were very much, like, shell-shocked. There wasn't a lot of communication that was going on beyond hand gestures because none of us spoke Romanian and there were very few translators there but as we were going to these institutions I could see that like these kids had no adult figurehead at all they were very much just left to their own means they were run by the older kids and they would create like hierarchies and they were just very mean and unfair to each other at times it felt and I just started to like get very angry and I like started to relate to these kids I was like this is not how it's supposed to be but I ended up just bottling all that up and keeping it inside and after a couple of days I was like this this is not right I should do something about this and I ended up deciding to talk to Nick one night and ask if he would baptize me so I could re-devote myself to God again and try to relieve myself of the stress that was on my shoulders so I could open up and relate to the kids more. And he did it for me in the Black Sea, and it was amazing. And it ended up leading to next week at camp, I ended up preaching a small, small sermon to the kids and... um, I was telling them how it led me to become baptized while I was over there. And most of the kids had no idea what baptism was. And it ended up leading to them talking to my small group partner. Her name is Anda. She's a translator for us. And she took a group of girls, there were five of them, into the room where they were sleeping that night. And they were asking her questions, and they were, like, really interested in what this all was about. And they were talking to her about what it means to have God in your own life and how that relates to how you treat other people and how you interact with other people and what it means to be loved in general. And as they were talking to her, they ended up deciding that they were going to commit their lives to Jesus that night. So we had five girls convert into Christians that night thanks to Anda and the opportunity Nick provided for me. 
Praise God. That's awesome. So ladies, how can the church continue to partner with what's going on in Romania? How can they pray? How can, what do you think we could do together as a body of believers for these children? Well, you can continue to pray for the safety and for the well-being of these kids because they're not in the greatest situations. <laughs> and also you could pray for um, the missionaries there, Eli and Sheena and their family. And just pray that God gives them strength and all that good stuff. Mm. Um, you can also pray for the workers at the institutions. Mm. Um, us Americans mm. cannot do everything there, especially with the language barrier. Unfortunately, it's a real damper on the situation. So pray that the workers there have their hearts softened and are able to communicate with their kids more and be able to spend more time in a loving way and a more loving, authoritative position. Awesome. Well, ladies, thank you so much. Let's give them a round of applause. You can have a seat. Yeah, we saw God reveal himself in awesome and amazing ways this summer. Um, you can too, and you don't have to go out overseas you can or even a couple hours away you can serve jesus in amazing ways right here uh in this building even uh, vicky is looking for volunteers in children's ministry i am also looking for volunteers uh to help downstairs with the teenagers and if you want to be a part of changing the world for jesus working alongside some awesome uh young people youth ministry is where it's at and uh yeah, if you want to help just shape and, and guide them towards a, relation, a deeper relationship with Jesus, please let me know. You can email me or come find me. And I definitely need um, women for Wednesday nights to help with uh, young girls and also confirmation teachers as well. So let me know if you're interested. Otherwise, yeah, fi- seriously, find a place to serve Jesus and watch what, what he'll teach you through that and all that you'll get from uh, aligning your heart with, with Jesus. Let me pray, and we'll, get, we'll close it up. Lord God, thank you so much again for all that you did for, well, all that you do for us. We, again, Lord, we thank you that you desire to fix this broken world and that we get to be a part of it and that you get to work through us. Lord, I thank you so much for this church, this body of believers who, who uh, believes in sharing your awesome uh, love and and. and um, and just to go out in the world and, and help others know you. I thank you for the support for our youth and all that they did to provide for them to uh, be able to do this for you. Lord, please uh, bless our week this week and, and just know how much we love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I, I would